don't know if that's true, Brandon. I've heard you preach. Well, good morning, Bridge. I don't think I have to tell you that 2020 has been a year. I feel like in just a few months, we've seen it all. Yet every week I scroll through my feed and lo and behold, there's something else, a fresh crisis. Here we go again. We're talking CDC, quarantine, vaccines, nominees, justice, justices, police, protests, wildfires, murder hornets, TikTok, Tiger King, everything. What do they keep saying? We live in unprecedented times. In March, the world changed overnight and it just keeps on changing. Now, I'm neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I got a strong sense that we've only seen the half of it. Our situation, the, the world's situation is unknown uncertain, precarious. Right this very moment, we are standing on the edge of a contentious election. And no matter who wins, a whole lot of people are gonna be extremely mad and the world is gonna look very different on the other side of November. So what do you do when the world looks crazy? If you're like me, you watch the news, probably more than I should. I watch the news because I wanna know what's going on. And what's more, I wanna know where we're headed. I wanna know what the next year looks like. Because to be honest with you, I don't have high hopes for the future. 2021 scares the life out of me. And that's not just because of the election. I look around the world and I see chaos and evil growing day by day. Bridge, I hate to start your Sunday off on such a depressing note, but our world isn't just crazy, it's terrifying. There is incredible evil out there. Selfishness, greed, hatred, callousness, racism, abortion, rape, poverty, bioweapons, drone strikes, concentration camps, nukes, traffickers and terrorists and serial killers and child armies, any one of these nightmares would be enough to keep us from sleeping at night, but all of these are out there and more. So it's only natural that, that you might find it all overwhelming that at times it might feel like it's hopeless. Because in this world, it looks a lot like evil is winning. Evil has the upper hand. Evil rules this world. So what do we do with that? The book of Daniel is all about that question. What do we do when it feels like evil is ruling the world? What do the people of God, what do we, Bridge, what do you do when it feels like the world is out of control and evil is winning? Today's passage, Daniel 7, is going to show us the answer. Please turn there now. Daniel 7. 
as we head into the final half of the book, you'll see that the stories are going to feel very different from what we've seen so far. No more Sunday school stories of prideful kings and faithful exiles and miraculous rescues from furnaces and lion's dens. That's gone. Instead, we're skipping back in time. We're rewinding all the way to the time of the very first year of King Belshazzar, the guy from chapter 5, the the writing on the wall. Last chapter, chapter 6, was in Persia. Chapter 5 is in Babylon, so we're we're skipping back. And for the rest of the book, we're going to be looking through the eyes of Daniel himself. We've seen the dreams of King Nebuchadnezzar, but now we're looking at the dreams of Daniel himself and the things that are revealed to him in visions, handed down now from generation to generation until now, Bridge, now these visions are yours. Bridge, today's message is for you. And it is a message of hope. For the sake of time, we're going to read it section by section, starting with just the first three verses. Please read along with me. Daniel 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. This is the word of the Lord. Today's passage begins with a nightmare. Daniel wakes up. And he immediately writes it all down in vivid detail so that now we can imagine the scene as he saw it. Picture with me an ocean as it stirs and and wrestles and, and grows more and more frenzied. Winds from every direction crash and melt the waves into each other. Sea foam is hitting your face and the noise is so loud you can't hear yourself think. Waves and clouds blur together. You can barely see anything. When suddenly, what's that? No, it can't be. But look, they're right there. Four great, enormous heads, fearsome eyes, vicious mouths rising up one after the other out of the ocean. And below the heads, necks, and then limbs and bellies that run so long they make the ocean look small. You feel like an ant. It's like a scene from an old monster movie, a a creature feature, a Godzilla film, Pacific Rim, if you've seen that. And as each of the four beasts comes up and out in its turn, the only thing you can do is stare, terrified by the sight of these monsters, the beasts standing there. The first three look like twisted zoo animals. See how they're described starting in verse four. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up off the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, 
like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. These beasts, these monsters, are each uniquely awful, aligned with the wings of an eagle and the mind of a man, a demented bear with ribs between its teeth, and a four-headed leopard with four wings on its back. Hybrid creations from the mind of a mad scientist. Ruthless predators. Imagine one of them snarling, chasing you down. And yet it is precisely these beasts that are given, what? Dominion. They possess the power and authority to rule the world. Dominion. Folks, that can't be good but it gets worse. Look with me at verse seven. After this, I saw in the night visions and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured in broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it and it had 10 horns. I considered the horns. And behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. This fourth beast is unlike his brothers. It's on a whole nother level. Verse 7 captures it well, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. The other three beasts are described as animals. But number four is so unworldly that no earthly creature is quite like it. Instead of bone, it has teeth made of iron with which it devours everything in its path, shatters anything it faces, and tramples on what's left over. And if that weren't strange enough, on its head are 10 horns, dangerous spikes that you wouldn't want to get near. And as the carnage ensues, something really bizarre happens. Three of the 10 horns are ripped up out of the beast's head and a little horn pops up in their place. And on this horn, where you'd least expect it, is a monstrous face, human eyes looking around, and a mouth that moves and speaks great things. The vision of the beasts is terrifying indeed. And this fourth beast, especially so. But what does it all Even while he's still asleep, still in the dream, Daniel is asking himself the exact same question. What does it all mean? What are these beasts? What is the meaning of this vision? Let's skip ahead to verse 15. I'm just going to read from here through to the end, all the way to the end. Verse 15. 
As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. Daniel's alarmed. He's disturbed. His spirit is anxious. And I don't blame him. This is literally the stuff of nightmares. Verse 16, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, the horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So that's the interpretation. Hopefully that clears everything up. You probably don't have any more questions, right? No, I feel like we have more questions than what we started with. Because if the four beasts are four kingdoms and they're kings, which kingdoms are they? Have these kings already passed or are they coming or are they for the future? What were they like? Or what will they be like? How will we know when we see or if we've already seen them? Daniel, the prophet Daniel, like us, he is living in unprecedented times. See, his people, the people of Israel, have been brutally conquered. And everyone who survived is now living in captivity as prisoners of the most powerful nation in the world. So like us, Daniel wants to know the news. Give me the details. Come on, I want to know what we're up against. And Daniel wants to know specifically about the fourth beast, the fourth kingdom. How will it be different from the other kingdoms? 
when it devours the whole earth. What does that mean? Literally the whole earth? What are the 10 horns, the 10 kings that rise up? Are they going to arrive at the same time or one after another or with a lot of time in between? And who or what is the little horn who speaks words against the Most High, who persecutes the saints, who changes the times and the law? There is so much that the text doesn't say, so many details that we'd like to know. I almost wish that Daniel had gone up to his interpreter friend, this angel, and said, come on, be a little more specific. Instead, we're left guessing. And many, many people have tried to piece this all together and figure out exactly what this text is talking about. Some have looked at history, and there are some pretty cool theories that see this dream fulfilled in specific historical empires. A lot of people think the four beasts represent the ancient empires of Babylon, Media, Persia, and Greece. Others say it was Babylon, the Medes, and the Persians, Greece, and Rome. Now, I'm not going to get into it. Sorry. Maybe the first one's right. Maybe it's the other one. I have my guess. Maybe it's something else, but I don't know. I don't think the text says. But what I do know is two things. One, we are not told the identity of the beasts. Scripture doesn't say. We might feel like it would be much better if it did, but it doesn't. And that's not because God dropped the ball and forgot. God knows exactly who the beasts are and who the fourth beast is and what the little horn is all about. But maybe, just maybe, these mysteries are on a need-to-know basis, and maybe you don't need to know. Maybe it's not the main thing that God wants us to see in this dream. Every week, we read the passage from the Bible, and we say what? What do we say? It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What does that mean? That means that what we read in the Bible is sufficient. That we should trust that it has everything we need to know and that that's, that's enough for us. Now, the second thing I want to say is this. Prophecies and dreams are complicated. You probably already knew that. They don't always have one meaning. There's often more than one fulfillment. Read through the Gospels and look at how Christ relates to a lot of the Old Testament prophecies. Many of these prophecies are made centuries before Christ, but they were actually, and, and many of them are fulfilled in a little bit, centuries before Christ. But they're actually fulfilled in the truest sense in Christ. They have multiple fulfillments. I'm stressing this point because what it means is that even if the scholars are right, and the beasts are all these ancient kingdoms, that doesn't mean this vision has nothing to say to you today. See, this message is not just for the past. Daniel is written for the church today, for you, Bridge, right now. Long after the time of Daniel, beasts have continued to rise up, world powers that rule the kingdoms of man. And though they may seem nice on the outside, look a little more closely, and the beast is not too far under the skin. The animal cruelty of the kings of the earth 
books as long as the kingdoms of man reign and devour and break humanity and oppress the people of God, we can be sure that there are beasts running around. And we can also be sure that things are only going to get worse. We are told that in the last days, a great beast will come. Revelation 13 paints us a picture of a creature that combines the worst of all four beasts. A leopard bear lion with ten horns who will blaspheme the Most High, make war on the saints, and conquer them. And the whole earth will follow the beast. All peoples, nations, and languages. This is the certain future. So let me ask you, Bridge. What hope is there? What hope is there? No wonder that over and over again, the passage says that Daniel is what? Is alarmed. What is he to make of all of this? Look at those beasts. Look at the kingdoms of men that conquer, oppress, exploit, destroy, dehumanize, defile, and tell me that it isn't terrifying. I often feel a lot like Daniel. Just overcome by the wickedness in the world. It is everywhere. And not only that, it calls all the shots. It has incredible power. Evil rules in the capital, in the marketplace, the battlefield, the university, the factory, the metropolis. It is a pervasive, parasitic presence, far more insidious than any biological virus. And so I ask you again, what hope is there? Is there hope? Bridge, the scriptures today want you to know that in spite of all of this, even though the beasts are terrifying, even though the monsters in your nightmares are all real and actually much worse than you think, even though the world is dark and getting incredibly darker, listen to me, hear this. Don't fix your eyes on the darkness. Don't fix your eyes on the darkness. Because friends, Bridge, there is hope. And it's right here in our passage. Let's go back a little bit to where Daniel asks his angelic interpreter two questions about the beasts. Look at how his angel friend responds each time. Question number one, Daniel asks, what's the truth concerning all this? The angel responds in verse 17. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Question number two. What's the truth about the fourth beast, angel? The exceedingly terrifying one. The angel responds with the truth that the fourth kingdom will devour the whole earth and a king will rise up to wear out the saints for a small while, but... Look with me at verse 26. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his, the beast's dominion, shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. In other words, we know how the story ends. Evil will not be allowed to roam free forever. Judgment day is coming. Evil will be consumed and destroyed to the end. 
In this chapter, Daniel is laser focused on the beasts. And who can blame him? They're terrifying. And what's more, they're right there. Daniel is living in the time of the beasts. We're living in the time of the beasts. He's surrounded by them. We're surrounded by them. But the angel says, look at this, Daniel. Don't look at that. Don't look at the beasts. Look up here. Fix your eyes on this. See, we skipped over it. But the vision doesn't end with the beasts. In fact, I'm, I'm glad, but Brandon read this part early on. This is the rest of the vision. Listen closely. Picture it in your mind as you read. Verse 9. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair on his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued forth and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. The beasts may look like they're in control. They growl and tear and show their strength. But there is one much stronger, stronger by far than any human power, the one from whom all power flows. They set up his throne. Fire cloaks it. A river of flame throws, flows out from its seat. Calmly, with authority, he walks onto the scene. The Ancient of Days the eternal God, with 10,000 times 10,000 servants. He sits on the throne, the court is assembled, ready for judgment, and the books of life and death are opened. Verse 11, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire, as for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Although the beasts rule the earth today, although the kingdom of evil has dominion over the world right now, the beast will be killed. Its body will be destroyed and burned with fire. The dominion of the beasts will be taken away. And what will happen to that dominion? What will happen to its authority, its rule, its power? Who will rule in the place of the beasts? Verse 13. I saw in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. What is going on here? 
Think back with me, go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Mankind, Adam and Eve, were given what in the garden? Dominion. That exact word, they were given dominion in the garden over all the beasts, over everything that moved. But through a beast, that ancient serpent, Satan, the first man, Adam, sinned. And now in the vision of the four beasts, we see that Adam's dominion is handed down to Adam's sons, the kings of man, who are no better than monstrous beasts. But in this passage, we see something interesting, something new, a new man, a second Adam, one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven going before the Ancient of Days and the dominion that was taken from the beasts, it will be given to him. And his dominion shall be an everlasting dominion. Bridge, who is this son of man? Who is the one who will receive the kingdom from the Most High? Daniel reads this and he does not understand. He is what? He is alarmed. That's how our chapter ends. The Israelites, they will hear of this vision, but they will also not understand. They will look for a human ruler, a Hebrew king, a politician, a general, a religious leader, someone who will free them from political oppression and exile. But folks, the Son of Man prophesied here is so much more than anything they could have ever expected. He is far greater than anything they could have ever hoped for. And the oppression he will rescue them from is an oppression so deep, they won't even know they need rescuing. We find out later in Daniel chapter 9 that Daniel's angel friend, his interpreter, is the archangel Gabriel. And the same angel will one day appear to a young woman in the backwaters of the Roman Empire, the evil beast. Gabriel will tell the young woman this. Listen closely. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him what? The throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is incredible. The Son of Man who will receive the everlasting kingdom is more than just a man. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. Over and over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man that we see here in Daniel. In Jesus' earthly ministry, he defied the great beasts, all the kingdoms of man. And because of that, he was arrested on false charges. At his trial, they ask him if he thinks that he's the son of God. And curiously, Jesus responds by saying, yes, I'm the son of God. 
Hear this from the book of Mark. I am, I am the son of God, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Does that sound familiar? The beast recognized that Jesus was a threat to its rule. And so the beast used all his mighty power, all his dominion to put the son of man, the son of God to death. But not even death had power over the son of man. The most high, the ancient of days, raised his son from the dead. And he gave him what? All authority on heaven and earth. And the son of man went up to heaven on a cloud and is at this moment seated at the right hand of the most high. Bridge, don't fix your eyes on the darkness. Fix your eyes up there. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Daniel, the prophet Daniel, he doesn't know any of this, but we do. We have the privilege of personally knowing the Son of Man, the Son of God, the God-Man, Jesus Christ, the Son who dwells in us. And if you know him, if you trust in Jesus, if you call upon his name, if he lives in you, brothers and sisters, there is a promise in this passage. You will reign with him. This is our future. See, Daniel chapter 7 does something interesting. In verse 14, we see that the Son of Man is given a kingdom, that he shall have an everlasting dominion. But look with me again at verse 18. Verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Follow me down to verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to who? To the people of the saints of the Most High. Bridge to you. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. In other words, if you believe in Jesus, if you are one of the saints of the Most High, you will rule with him. You may be nothing in this life. You may never have power or riches or fame, but God chooses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. If we take up our crosses and follow Christ, we become the enemies of the beast. And the beast will do everything in his power to make our lives miserable. We will be persecuted, marginalized, hated, but on the final day, on the last page, we will share in Christ's dominion. If we are in Christ, if we place our hope in the one true king, we will possess an everlasting kingdom. Brothers and sisters, yes. Unimaginable beasts are out there and they are terrifying and they have dominion, but don't fix your eyes on the darkness. Don't set your mind on the evil in this world. Watch the news. Yes, know what's going on. Yes, stay current. Yes. But understand that what you see is not the whole picture. MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, Twitter, none of them know how the story ends. But we do. We know. We have the news that even the prophet Daniel does not have. We have the good news. And we know how the story ends. First, Things are going to get much darker. But friends, the future looks bright. 
In the book of Acts, after Jesus ascends up to the right hand of the Father on a cloud, an angel comes to the disciples as they stare up in the sky, and the angel asks them, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, the Son of Man will return, coming with the clouds. And in the final days, the book of Revelation tells us that the Son of Man will indeed come with the clouds and the beast will wage war against him. But the Son of Man will prevail. He will capture the beast and throw it alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of the Lord and he shall reign forever and ever. Christ wins. Christ wins. So fix your eyes on him. Let me end with this song, a new song, that the angels will sing about the Son of Man and about you, about every one of us who calls upon the name of the Lord. When Satan tempts you to despair, when the enemy is whispering in your ears that everything is hopeless, that the world is done for, that the beasts will rule and you can't do anything, no one can stop them, remember this song from the book of Revelation. Hear this. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you, the Lamb, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. A multi-ethnic gathering. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they, bridge you, shall reign on the earth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for telling us the story, for showing us how it ends. God, we confess that sometimes things seem hopeless. Sometimes we just, we look out on the world, we look into our neighborhoods, we watch the news and we think, God, is there hope? Is this ever going to end? How long, oh Lord? But Lord, we ask that in those times when things seem hopeless, that you would fix our eyes not on the evil in this world, not on the darkness, not on the beast, but you would fix our eyes on the Son of Man, on Jesus Christ. God, we know that our only hope is in him, that he is the only hope in life and death. And so God, we put all our trust in him. We long for him to return. We await his second coming. And until then, come Lord Jesus, come. In his name, Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. 